Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Raw Prospect Podcast. This is episode 202, and we're doing our NFL Week 13 Power Rankings. This week, we've had a little bit of, we've got a little bit of movement at the top, maybe. A little bit of movement at the back end of our top 10, so stay tuned for that. But before we get into it, make sure to subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Leave a like on the video, that really helps us out. Um, if you're listening on audio platforms, leave a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to uh, the podcast. And this show is also sponsored by our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash rawprospectpod. Um, if we do our exclusive Patreon podcast over there, that's available for free. And we would appreciate any support that you could give us over there as well. But to introduce my co-host, joining me. From Houston, Texas, the stacking himself, Mr. Michael Ween. How you doing, man? Another edition of my favorite episode we do on this podcast, our NFL power rankings for week 13. And these will we're gonna set up the final month of the NFL regular season tonight. Because we're tomorrow starts December, and it's the most important month. Uh, leading into the playoffs. This is when it gets real after Thanksgiving, as we mentioned on Raw Rundown uh, uh, on Monday. So let's just go ahead and jump right into the power ranking since it is past 11 o'clock Central Time. Um, but did you want to start by talking about tonight's game? Or do you want to wait until we get to the Cowboys to uh, – dive into that um i do want to i do want to touch on it but i think we can we can wait until we get to the cowboys okay um i guess i'll start off with my number 10 for me this week i went with the denver broncos at number 10 um newly in the top 10 of course um i think at certain points in the season would have been in the bottom 10, maybe even the bottom five of the league. That just shows how big of a turnaround this really is. And But we've we've said all that before. Um, the biggest thing is the here and the now and what type of football this team right now is a power, like just run it down your throat football team. And um, pause. But, I mean, the... Additions of Mike McGlinchey and uh, the guard they picked up from uh, from the Ravens over the offseason. Those two guys on the right side of the offensive line. When you watch the Broncos, they jump off the screen in the running game. Um, Mike McGlinchey has his, you know, misses in pass protection here and there. But the right side of their offensive line, they dominate teams in the run game. They maul teams. And that's really become the identity of that entire offense. So now it's all about, you know, getting in. And from there, I mean, this team has talent all across the board. We've said that for years. And now that Russell Wilson is playing a certain level of high-level football, um, this team, I wouldn't consider them Super Bowl contenders, but... I wouldn't want to play them. Let's just say that. 
For my number 10, I went with the Houston Texans. Um, I thought about some movement at the bottom of my top 10, but when I really thought about it, for me, it's 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 hard for me to be too tough um, or too low on the Texans after a heartbreaking loss to Jacksonville. Um, C.J. Stroud continues to set rookie records. Four straight game going over 300 yards passing. Um, that's an NFL rookie record. And it's also the sixth time that he's also led Houston in rushing yards uh, this past Sunday um, with 47. Now, that's not to say there aren't concerns with this Texans team. Number one, it seems sometimes they struggle to run the football. On Sunday, the run game didn't look very good. And that's why their quarterback led them in rushing yards. Um, I think there are still issues mostly related to personnel, just not having the per- the requisite personnel on defense. Uh, at times, there's a lack of a pass rush, uh, and that hurts the secondary. There are still personnel concerns defensively, but those things will have to be wait to be worked out until the offseason, I believe, in D'Amico Ryans to get that figured out. Uh, I just believe when it comes down to it, they have a quarterback playing at a really high level and a passing game that I think is good enough with all of these weapons. Tank Dell, I love. Nico Collins, I love. Dalton Schultz gets involved in the passing game. Uh, I think this is a passing game that is good enough to keep this team in games. And we've seen that. And this Sunday, what do we get? We get the 6-5 and five Houston Texans hosting the 6-5 and five Denver Broncos. And that's going to be an absolute dogfight to get to 7-5 and five and to have that head-to-head, which will be important down the road as we get into the wild card race. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge, huge game. And um, the Texans were definitely the team that I was considering keeping at number 10. Uh, but to me, it just came down to um, just December football and and what I value in terms of cold weather football and just being able to run it um, and be multidimensional offensively. I think that's what really what it really came down to to me uh but it's it's very close and i i think that game coming up this sunday not only is it huge for playoff uh cont- playoff uh implications but it also i think it's a clash of both teams weaknesses for denver the thing that you would point to is can they win a shootout um and for houston the thing they they um, the thing you would point to for them is, um, what happens when you face a, uh, really tough running football team? Um, can you, are you going to be able to stop the run consistently? Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, let's move on to my number nine. I, at number nine, I had the Buffalo Bills. Um, and this might be a controversial one considering they're sitting at, you know, six and six, I believe, um, on their bye week currently. But to me, um, they're one of the 10 best teams in football. And I think they showed that even in a loss um, at Philly this week. Um, And 
with Josh Allen on their team, like as, you know, as much as I get on, you know, Sean McDermott and as much as I, you know, see the the gaps in their defense with all the injuries, with Josh Allen, they have a shot. And, you know, everybody is talking about how tough their schedule is these next few weeks and the gauntlet that they're going to be facing here moving forward. But they have Josh Allen, and I think that's what's going under the radar here. I think this team is going to be able to almost rally in terms of, like, trial by fire, like, going through the like the gauntlet of a schedule week after week, it might actually be a good thing in terms of getting this team to really raise their level of play. And we saw it in that Eagles game. So we'll see how it ends up going. But for me right now, I think it was just I, – I can't leave them off this top 10 right now. Casuals that don't know football would think it's controversial, but I don't. Because I have the Bills at number nine as well. Um, there aren't eight teams in the league that can beat this Buffalo team when they're playing at their best. Um, and it might be less than that. Uh, when Josh Allen in the offense is operating at the level that it was on Sunday, it's very rare you see a team lose. And I have a stat for you. The Bills are the 40th team, or they were the 40th team, since 1970, which was the AFL-NFL merger, uh, to have 500 yards, 10 third-down conversions, and a positive turnover margin in a game. They were the 40th team to do that such thing. However, they were the first team of those 40 teams to lose the game. Um, teams entering Sunday were 39 and 0 entering that game. When those three things happen, they have 500 yards of total offense, 10 or more third down conversions, and they win the turnover battle. Uh, bills were the first to lose. And that's why the bills find themselves at six and six. It's largely a reflection on the team's issues this year, for whatever reason, closing out football games. Uh, they are now two and six in one score games. Sometimes it goes in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. And we can dissect the coaching decisions all day. I right now, I don't want to say I'm calling for Sean McDermott's job, but I'm not really in favor in a lot of the, can't talk of a lot of the decisions he's made this year. Um, now, Injuries haven't helped this team. I'll give you that much. Uh, the injuries on defense have hurt the unit's production. And there have been some offensive inconsistencies over the course of this year that aren't reflected, you know, in the overall makeup of this Bills team. But what you have to realize is with Joe Brady now at offensive coordinator calling the plays, that Bills offense looked explosive. It looked really good on the road in tough conditions in Philadelphia. They put up over 500 yards of offense, and they were scoring at will pretty much for most of that game going up and down the field. This Bills team 
They have a plus 101 point differential through 12 games. The 268th team in NFL history to be plus 100 or better through 12 games, but they're only the second team to not have a winning record, and it's just because for whatever reason this year when games are close, they're not doing the job. They're not closing those games out. Um, it's going to be – it's going to be tough down the stretch to get into the playoffs, but with Josh Allen playing like that on Sunday, it gives me a lot of confidence that they will be able to somehow find their way in, even if they end up, let's say, I don't know, nine and eight or something along those lines. Yeah, I we'll see how it goes, but I mean, all they got to do is get in. That's really that's really all it is, and if they sneak in, whichever team they end up playing, whether it's Kansas City, Baltimore, Miami, maybe even Jacksonville, they've got a shot. They've got a real shot at um, at winning. So, moving on, um, go ahead and go uh, go ahead with your number seven. Maybe my number eight. Right. Sorry. Number eight. <laughs> um, my number eight, and I went back and forth on this one, is going to be the Detroit Lions. Um, I've ultimately come back down to earth just a little bit on Detroit. Um, I think there is kind of a – there might be a hard ceiling on what this Lions team can ultimately achieve. Um, now, you look at Jared Goff. He hasn't played well in each of the um, last couple games. Had three turnovers last week. Um, he threw three interceptions in a narrow win over the Bears in Week 11. And he fumbled three times in a loss to the Packers uh, this past week. Um, so he's turning the ball over. That doesn't help. What we know about Detroit is they have a really good offensive line and they move the football up and down the field. They're going to score points, but I've seen some warts, uh, in this Detroit defense, uh, the past couple of weeks. It just seems like that pass rush is a little bit more inconsistent than I thought it was. Um, and they do have a tendency to have lapses in game defensively on the back end. Um, I, I still think they're going to win their division. I still think they're going to get home field. I still think they're a really good team, but I, I, I've, I've come back down to earth a little bit on this team. I want to see what they do in December the most important month of the football season going into the playoffs. They need Jared Goff to clean up the turnovers after playing pretty much a pretty clean first month and a half, two months of the season. Uh, and they're going to need this pass rush in this defense to play a little bit more consistently. Um, but overall, I still think they're firmly in the thick of it in the NFC I think they will end up winning their division. If you look at their schedule, you have the Saints, the Bears, the Broncos, uh, and the Vikings twice. I ultimately look at those Vikings games as being the key 
down the stretch. The Broncos will be a good one, uh, but you ultimately don't have to worry about Denver all that much considering they're not in your conference. Uh, and I think they will find a way to beat the Bears again, and they'll probably find a way to beat the Saints. Um, I still like this offense. They just got to clean up the turnovers. But I want to see more out of this defense before I put them any higher. Yeah. It, I had the Detroit Lions at number eight as well. Um, right now, I, I sort of see it as a – 7A, 7B type of situation. I see it as being very close with the team I have at number seven. But uh, regardless, no matter the case, I think all the points you just made are why we both had them dropping a little bit um, this week. And Jared Goff, I think before that Ravens game, was not only playing at a at the best level of his entire career was playing at a, I'd say a top 10 quarterback type of level. And maybe even like a, I think like an outside MVP candidate, honestly um, with, you know, the lack of experience receiving talent outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, um, like for the first six weeks of the season, I mean it, and, and still is, but, it's been the turnovers that have come back um, and been the bugaboo. And it's, and it's not even, you know, he's forcing the ball or doing, you know, anything crazy. It's just these fumbles, these weird fumbles that, if, that keep happening. Um, and if this becomes a trend, it's going to be really tough for them to overcome. I think there's not a huge amount of, you know, problems I see with their offense overall. I think they're going to bounce back, and I think their offense is ultimately going to fare very well in the month of December because I think it's built for the month of December. Uh, but, as you mentioned, the defense and whether or not this team can win tight ball games is going to really decide how far this team goes. Because I think in a playoff setting, I do think Dan Campbell will put out a game plan and get these guys ready to play and able to get them into, you know, into the fourth quarter in a tight ball game. And from that point, it really just comes down to can they make enough plays at that point? One thing to add before we move on, Jared Goff has been pressured more as of late. In weeks one through ten, he was pressured on 33% of his dropbacks. In the last two weeks, weeks 11 and 12, he was pressured on 46% of his dropbacks. An Achilles heel throughout Jared Goff's career has been his ability to make plays from the pocket under duress, under pressure. And that's where some of these turnovers are, are, are occurring. Uh, only... Sam Howell in Washington with their horrendous offensive line has had more turnovers when pressured than Jared Goff this year. Nine of his, I think it's 11 total turnovers this year, have come on pressure dropbacks. Um, so ultimately for the Lions, if they're protecting Jared Goff and he has time to throw, this team will be fine, and they're going to put up a ton of points. 
They're going to be productive offensively. It'll just come down to decision-making late in games uh, for Dan Campbell. How aggressive does he want to be? And then winning tight ball games when the pressure's at its highest down the stretch. Uh, But I still have confidence in the Lions uh, to get a home playoff game. Playoffs are all about matchups. We'll see who they play. Uh, But right now, I'm not so sure that these NFC wildcard teams are going to be challenging the top dogs. Any, yeah, I, I don't, I just don't know right now. It's hard to tell, um, but we'll see. No. So, who's that number? Who's number seven for you? At number seven, I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think losing Jalen Phillips was massive. Um, the offense has slowed down, I think. The NFL as a whole has gathered enough tape on this Mike McDaniel offense to be able to not, you know, not shut it down, but keep it from the explosiveness that we saw early in the season. Um, and now it's it's been the defense that has stepped up. And without Jalen Phillips, I just worry that the pass rush is really going to take a step down. You know, they still have Andrew Van Ginkle. They still have Bradley Chubb. They still have plenty of talent on that defense. But Jalen Phillips was, I think, the X factor for that team. And to me, the only guy that I would consider to have the potential to be a tier one edge guy any given game. Um, He's not as consistent as those tier one guys yet. But any given game, he can go out and play like one of those guys. Um, And without him, they don't have someone that can do that. So a little bit of a step down this week. I still think, you know, the whole narrative, oh, they can't win big games. I still think that's a little bit overblown. You know, those a a few of those were really close games and were decided by a couple plays here and there. So I still think they can hang. It's just all about – just limiting the penalties, limiting the mistakes, and just playing clean football. Yeah, I don't – I think people misconstrue it when they say this team can't do this. It's not that they can't do it. It's that they just haven't done it yet. Um, and I think – that's fair in some respects. It's not fair in other respects. Um, look, the Dolphins, their offense is still averaging 30 points per game. It has slowed down the past three or four weeks or so, but it's because they're giving the ball away. They have 19 turnovers. That's the sixth most in the league. If this offense plays clean football, as you mentioned, they're going to win a lot of games down the stretch. and. They could win the Super Bowl with just how good and explosive they are. Now, Jalen Phillips, unfortunately, going down to an Achilles injury (laughs) on a short week on Black Friday, um, combined with the fact that, you know, that that hurts because you you don't really have another guy that you can rely on consistently to go get the passer, uh, rush the passer. Uh, and it's a defense uh, 
Um, the good thing is it's a defense that's been playing opportunistic football since Jalen Ramsey got back. That secondary looks really good. I believe they force um, – I don't know what the number was. Something like – 11 turnovers, nine turnovers since week eight, um, since Jalen Ramsey returned. Uh, I have to double check that. Um, So they are playing opportunistic, but they got to clean up the turnovers offensively. They can't help it, but I think just a byproduct of the Jalen Phillips injury, we got to wait and see how good this pass rush is. Um, And – you know, other than that, it's a team that has the capability to beat anyone. It's just there are a couple of questions. One, I say, burning question on each side of the ball right now. Uh, so that's Miami. They're eight and three. They're what, third or fourth in the AFC right now behind Baltimore, Kansas City, and Jacksonville? Uh, they're leading their division. There's not a threat in their division right now. Um, So I'm ultimately fine with Miami sitting where they're at. I think you, you know, I think this is the right spot for them, right at number seven. They're in that bubble of Super Bowl teams, in my opinion. Uh, My number six is going to be Jacksonville. How about you? Same. Yeah, we've, we've agreed on every single one other than our number 10. Yeah, for Jacksonville, for me, I've been high on this Jacksonville team from the preseason. Um, The past couple of weeks, particularly the last two, they've looked more like the AFC contender I thought we were going to see. Trevor Lawrence, who's been battling through some knee issues this year, um, hasn't been fully healthy, I don't think. Uh, he's been banged up a little bit. He's driving the football downfield more successfully. Uh, we've seen an uptick in the usage of one Calvin Ridley uh, after he really wasn't used a whole lot throughout the month of October for whatever reason. Um, he suddenly returned to the spotlight. And on defense, I think Mike Caldwell, their defensive coordinator, has that unit playing really good football or better than expected football. Josh Allen their pass rusher is having a career year. This this defense really lives through Josh Allen getting after the quarterback. He has 12 sacks this year in generating turnovers. Uh, are they good enough to win the Super Bowl is the question. Can they be consistent enough to win the Super Bowl to get to the AFC Championship and to contend with Kansas City or Baltimore or whoever else you want to put up there? Um, we'll have to see. There's a lot of young talent though on both sides of the ball. Uh, and I do think they have the right coach and the right quarterback. They check those boxes, uh, when you're looking at Super Bowl teams, um, that week 15 matchup with Baltimore looks like a huge game. Uh, in terms of AFC seeding uh, scenarios. Uh, So I'm waiting for that game, but 
I like where this Jags team is heading. Heading. Uh, I like the trajectory that they're on entering the month of December, sitting at eight and three. Yeah, um, I had I had Jacksonville. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Um, the defense has been good to great every single week this year. Um, it's been pretty consistent outside of like maybe one or two weeks here or there where you can nitpick. But even then, even in the games where they quote-unquote got blown out, the defense has put up a good effort um, if you watch the games. Um, And this week was no different. They gave up the ton of yards, but it was really every single yard that the Texans got was like C.J. Stroud just being a menace. Like it wasn't like every single yard was earned. It was just passes that were indefensible. CJ Stroud running around and, you know, at some point, you know, you can't have your defenders guard for eight seconds or whatever. Um, So, I mean, the defense looks really good. And I think that to me is what is most fascinating about this team. that that right there is where their ceiling can go up a notch is the fact that their defense is at the level that it needs to be. Um, and Trevor Lawrence has had a under, very underrated season. Fantasy owners wouldn't, wouldn't really agree, but this is not fantasy football. Trevor Lawrence has been really solid this year for portions of the year. It was just not being on the same page with his receivers for whatever reason. But now those things are getting cleaned up and things are clicking. Yeah, they've won seven of eight. And the only loss was that game against San Francisco. Um, So ultimately, again, I like where Jacksonville's uh, heading, the trajectory that they are on. I also love the trajectory of one – team that plays in Arlington, Texas, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Now, I had them at five. I made my list before tonight's game. Uh, And I don't know that my watching tonight's game would push them any higher. So I'm going to keep them at five. But uh, let's talk about it. Do you have them at five as well? I I kept them at five. Um, It still comes down to – I got to see it in the playoffs, but tonight I think proved a couple things. One, Dak, I think is a legit MVP candidate since week eight. He has 20 touchdown passes. The next closest quarterback has 10. The level that he's playing at right now, I think, you know, Saying, oh, Dak Prescott is an MVP candidate, I think some it would rub, rub some people the wrong way because of his reputation. But really, if you look at it, if you look at the numbers he's putting up and the way that he is playing, if you put uh, like a number 12 on his back and, and uh, switch his name out with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he would be the MVP. And I'm not saying, you know, you know, the media is biased against Dak and all that, but like... 
I think that's the reality of it. I think Dak is a legitimate MVP candidate. And I honestly think um, in the Eagles game coming up, the winner of that game may just win the MVP. But back to my point. Um, the second thing I wanted to wanted to say was the penalties. The penalties just have to stop. And and you know, a couple of them I'll give our guys a pass because you know the refs were throwing the flag when in doubt tonight. They were really calling it tight. But regardless, this team is either first or second in the league in, in penalties. Um, and the team that's first or second with them, they played tonight. Um, so that explains all the penalties that gone, that went on tonight. But that that just cannot – that just doesn't correlate. Like a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl contending team, you should not be anywhere near – first or second in penalties in the NFL. That's just the bottom line of it. And we've seen this problem come up before in the Mike McCarthy era. It has to get cleaned up. Bottom line, though, is almost nobody is playing better football than Dak Prescott. And, look, people – that don't like Dak, people that don't like the Cowboys, um, the haters, whatever you want to say, they're not going to like it, but it's true. He is right in the thick of the MVP conversation, as he should be. And look, coming into tonight, I know PFF isn't the end-all, be-all for everything, but he was. PFS highest graded quarterback in the league and he's second I don't know if it changed tonight but he was second coming into tonight behind just Brock Purdy in EPA per drop back uh completion percentage and passer rate he was second in all those categories right behind Brock, Brock Purdy his command of the offense is spectacular uh he just looks very, very comfortable operating this offense. He's pushing the ball downfield consistently. Uh, in all the games I've watched this year from Dallas, I haven't watched every single one, but I've watched most of them. Um, and every every single game I watch, uh, he's pushing the ball downfield, creating explosive plays, whether it's Brandon Cooks, whether it's uh, Shoemaker, the tight end, or C.D. Lamb, whoever it might be, uh, throwing the ball over the middle of the field, throwing it to the side, just spreading the ball around, creating explosive plays, making plays with his legs as well. This version of Dak Prescott makes the Cowboys Super Bowl contenders. That doesn't mean, though, that they will get there or that they will achieve the things they want to in the playoffs because, as you said, we still have to see that. It's not that they can't do it, but I think the way Dak is playing, if he continues this, makes the Cowboys a lot more likely to get where they want to go than maybe they've had, you know, in past years. Because I haven't seen this deck, this good of a Dak Prescott the past couple of years. Yeah, I just I, haven't. I think this is the best football he's played in his entire career. And we've seen great stretches from him, but um 
I think it's the play extension that's really done it for me. I, I think that's been a missing piece in his game for a while now, and he's made a concerted effort to really extend plays outside of the pocket. Um, and I don't know if, if it's maybe like the leg injury was affecting like that part of his game and maybe he's fully back now, but regardless that part of his game is what has pushed him to the next level. And the way he's playing it kind of, I mean, it's almost comparable. It's almost a comparable style to Joe Burrow, like that pocket passer who will extend plays to throw and dice defenses apart. Yeah, some stats over his past six games. And you mentioned stats similar to this, but uh, Dak Prescott over his last six games, 21 touchdowns, one pick, almost 2,000 yards, and a 5-1 and one record. Tonight, all the same things were true. I mean, a 118.6 quarterback rating. He was close to perfect. 323 total yards, three touchdowns, no picks. On seven and a half yards per attempt, putting up 41 points. And what for most of the game was an offensive back and forth type ball game. Um, it's this kind of quarterback play can take you places in January. Um, it doesn't really matter. I mean, of course, you got to play complimentary football, but if he plays like this, there's no real ceiling, I think, on where Dallas could potentially go. They just have to get by Philly and or San Francisco. Yeah. You hope yeah. that you don't have to get by. I don't think you have to go through both, probably just one or the other. Um, but we will see. Uh, one thing about the Cowboys that I'll add, though, is depending on what seed they can they can potentially get, and I think they're still definitely probably in play maybe for that one seed if they beat Philadelphia next week. Um, this Dallas team has been so good at home. Yeah. What is it? Like 14 consecutive, uh, home wins, which I think they said tonight yeah, on the broadcast games with 30 plus points scored as well. And they're not just winning these home games. They, they usually, I mean, it really wasn't the case tonight, but they usually dominate. Yeah. Um, so I like the fact that they're probably going to get, they're definitely, well, I don't know, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, the story, though, with the Cowboys is definitely Dak. Um, yeah, it, it has to be. And anything else in, you want to add? The narrative of, of like, oh, they're just blowing out bad teams. Like, it's hard to blow out bad teams in the NFL. Like, consistently, they've like yeah. usually it's like, okay, you blow out this bad team, but this bad team has this one guy that can give you problems and maybe make it a little closer, but every single game that they were supposed to win, they've won and they've won big. So I think mm -hmm. that says a lot about this team. And then the game that they weren't supposed to win on the road in Philadelphia, they had a chance to win. They were right there. And I think we'll see on a Sunday next week, as Dallas has, what, an extra three or four days to get ready, they're going to come out ready to play. And I think 
right now my gut tells me Dallas wins next week, but we'll just have to see. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a dog fight. All right. Who's your number four? Let's see. My number four is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think staying in the same spot for me this week. Um, big thing is Lamar Jackson and what he's been able to do with these receivers and the more spread out offense. We've gotten into it all before. The thing I like most about the Ravens, though, is just how easily they can, you know, change like just how diverse their offense is, is, is the real way to put it. Um, I mean, one second they're going five wide empty and Lamar's picking you apart in the passing game. Next, next drive, they're going power football with Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards, and all those guys. I mean, it's the multiple, you know, different, you know, ways they can do it. And then defensively, Kyle Hamilton, they've completely unlocked him. He's turning into one of the best safeties in football. I mean, he's a complete Swiss army knife with how they use him. Um, I mean, there's, there's not much to not like about this team. If there was one thing that you would point to, it would probably be just the fumbles. I'm pretty sure they're near the top in the league in fumbles, but that's really the only thing you can point to right now. Yeah, it's um, you, you can make an argument. They are the most balanced team in the AFC. Um, they're second in scoring defense in the entire NFL, 15.6 points per game allowed. Uh, they lead the league in rushing. 158.6 yards on the ground per game. They're seventh in total yards. Um, you look at their defense, and it's not just that they're good situationally. They don't allow you to score a lot of points. But playmakers and significant impact players at all three levels of this defense, which makes it so good. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen – both have more than 100 tackles so far this year. They've both been fantastic players this year. Then you have Jatavion Glowney, who has seven and a half sacks this year, and Justin Matabuke, who's been really productive and I think leads their team in sacks. Um, both been dominant in pass rush. Uh, you have a front that can stop the run. You've got it back in with guys like Kyle Hamilton, who – as you mentioned, they've unlocked. I just think this team is very, very balanced with the weapons that they have now with Zay Flowers, Odell, uh, losing Mark Andrews. Ultimately, I don't think has hurt this team too much. Um, and to be fair, I mean, they have had a couple what I would call uneven offensive performances uh, in recent weeks, but it still doesn't matter because their defense is just so good. Yeah. Um, and you look at what Zay Flowers is doing, the way that he has emerged, it makes this offense even more lethal. Uh, they're dominant and opportunistic on defense, and there's really nothing else that needs to be said. On Sunday night against the Chargers, they force four turnovers, 
They overwhelm the Chargers at the line of scrimmage at just the right moments. Uh, and, you know, they iced the game with that Zay Flowers touchdown. And Lamar Jackson, for most of this year, has looked like an MVP candidate, in my opinion. So, uh, look, they're sitting at 9-3 and three right now. I believe they'd be the one seed in the AFC. Uh, and I think the best-case scenario for this team is winning a Super Bowl. I think they're that good. Yeah, there's there's no question about it that they're they're that good. And if it wasn't for a guy named in Kansas City that wears number fifteen, they would be the best team in the AFC. And you could argue they might be the best roster in the NFC or, or in the AFC. Uh, maybe the most complete roster in the AFC. Um, but that brings us to that team in Kansas City. Um, for me. I have the Kansas City Chiefs at number three, and I I actually have them written down on my phone as number two on my list. But I've just I've gone back and forth and back and forth, and I really, honestly, with this top three, I really I really think it's like whatever order you put them. I mean, is up to you. It's really just personal preference. I see them all on the same tier. And obviously we're going to see a little bit of separation once we get this game this week between the Niners and the Eagles, of course. But for now, I think all three of those teams are all on the same plane. I think 1A, 1B, 1C to me. Um, and we saw the their offense wake up this week. They really, once they got down 14 nothing, they didn't miss a beat the rest of the game offensively. And I know it was just the Raiders. And I know like for cert- at certain points this year, this offense, this this wide receiver core has really been porous. And and that's putting it lightly. But we've seen this team turning around before. And I just I mean, you can't count them out. You just can't. Yeah, I agree with you on your point that these teams are pretty much the cream of the crop, the cream de la creme. You can maybe loop the Baltimore Ravens into this category if you want. Um, For me, I kept my same order as two weeks ago. As you mentioned, we're going to find out this Sunday. San Francisco, Philadelphia – some people believe, still believe, and rightfully so, like that franchise guy, that uh, San Francisco is the number one team in the league. And I, I do believe that, if I'm not mistaken, San Francisco is actually favored. I three, yeah, uh, and that's, that's significant as well. On the road. It is significant. Um, and so, but ultimately, I have the Niners at three. Uh, the one thing about the Niners, though, is that. Uh, during their three-game losing streak, and we talked about this, uh, they struggled to, for whatever reason, generate the pass rush that they usually are able to generate. Uh, but after just 18 sacks in their first eight games, they've posted 15 sacks in their last three games. The pass rush is back, and it makes this team scary to play. They got healthy. Uh of course, we know how great Christian McCaffrey is leading the league in rushing yards. 
Uh, Brock Purdy, as I mentioned, leads the league in QBR. He leads the league in completion percentage. Uh, Still playing at a really high level. Um, I still think with a great defense, uh, a very well-rounded offense, an offensive-minded head coach who we've seen get this team to that game in February before uh, and get this team deep into the playoffs. Um, As long as they stay healthy, there's no reason this team can't beat the Eagles on Sunday. And we're going to find out. Uh, But I I kept them at number three. Ultimately, if they beat the Eagles, they'll probably catapult themselves to probably number one, depending on what Kansas City does. Um, And then number two, we'll just go right ahead. I I had – Kansas City. Um, to me, I mean, if if they just avoid the turnovers, they're tied with the Dolphins with 19 total turnovers this year, and the drop passes that they struggled with early on this season. This offense will be just fine. They're they're good enough to win the Super Bowl, uh, especially on defense. Uh, they're allowing the third fewest points per game. They have multiple defenders playing well at all three levels. I, I I always mention I love their young linebackers, but I also love a lot of the players in this in this secondary. Um, they've drafted really well at that position. They're developing a lot of these young players. They have a big game defensive coordinator in Spags, uh, and I think. Ultimately, with the emergence of guys like Rasheed Rice in the passing game, um, look, I mean, this team is what? A Marquez Valdez scantling drop touchdown pass away from ultimately beating the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, I think the with number 15 and that guy named Andy Reid at the helm, they will have as good as a chance as anyone, if not better, to go out and win the Super Bowl once again. So – they're right up there in this cream de la creme with everyone else. Yeah, of course. Andy, explain it again with those nuggies, Reed, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, pretty simple. I mean, Kansas yep. City, as long as they have those two guys, they're a shoe in to be favorites in their conference year over year. For me, at number two, I kept the sorry. I kept the uh, San Francisco 49ers at number two. Um, again, where it's going to be settled this Sunday, and I cannot wait for that. But I mean, this offense now with Debo back, and now with Trent Williams back, it's. It, I mean, it's right back to where they were at the start of the year, and when they have all their guys. I think they're as close to unbeatable as it gets. And and that's going to be the most interesting part about this weekend is it's unstoppable force versus the immovable object. And yes. I, I mentioned it um, even in our NFC championship preview last year. It, it's the, it was the same exact scenario. Um, obviously that game, it was kind of flipped onto its head with the quarterback situation that ended up taking place. But I mean, it, it's the same thing over again. Um, I mean, 
the the Niners they lost Kalanoa Hukfunga this week, I think for the season, but. I think it's more so an offensive thing. I, st- I still think the defense will be just fine. Um, I like what uh, Steve Wilkes has done um, these past few weeks, adjusting to how the 49ers like to play. I think blitzing a little bit more, playing with a you know more five-man fronts um, defensively, forcing you to get the ball out quickly. Um this game this weekend is going to be amazing. That's all. That's all I'm going to finish with. I'm talking in circles. No, yeah. I mean, we can talk about that game all day, uh, and it's prop. Well, I won't even go there. Um, it might be a preview of what we see later on in January. We we don't know that, but could be. Uh, number one. It, it's kind of hard to say they're not number one. I think they've earned the right to be number one. It's the Eagles. Uh, they've gotten off to some slow starts offensively as of late. But one thing we know about this Eagles team as of right now is they know how to close games, even when they're behind. Uh, they're averaging a league high 14.6 points per game in the second half this year. Uh, their defense ranks third against the run. They're very good on the lines of scrimmage. I, I, I think it talked about in our raw rundown about the three things that I believe make this team so damn good. It's the fact that they played without their Hall of Fame right tackle Lane Johnson, and they were still able to move the ball offensively and do all the things that they do, run the football for over 140 yards, whatever they did. Uh, against um, the Bills on Sunday. Uh, They have just – they're dominant at the lines of scrimmage. They're such a complete team. Even their kicker can win them them games. Um, And Jalen Hurts is just such a poised, calm quarterback in these situations. He has a confidence about him that the Eagles are going to win these football games. the one area I think you can nitpick with Philadelphia is their secondary. Um, they uh, And we saw it against the Bills at times on Sunday. They've yielded the second most passing touchdowns in the NFL. And um, uh, they're also 29th against the pass in terms of yards given up. And their bottom half in the league in takeaways generated. Um, so... It's not to say that they are – I don't know. It, they're very good on both sides of the ball. I don't know that I'd say they're elite yet on both sides of the ball, but they're very, very good, and they're 10-1. and one. They're winning these games. I'll, I'll say this. I'd say uh, they're clutch on both sides of the ball. Let's yeah. say that. Um, this has been a tightrope act for the Eagles, uh, these – past couple of weeks um, against these – well, the Bills aren't an elite team. Well, against two great teams. Um, and, you know, the first half of that Bills game, I'm like, okay, this is this is where they they fall, right? I'm a Cowboys fan. So obviously, I was cheering for them to lose. And, I mean, Jalen Hurts is just incredible. And what he did in the second half – was 
I mean, probably the best half of football played by a quarterback this season, um, if we're being completely honest, only to be second by maybe Josh Allen and what he did in the second half. But nonetheless, um, I still think they missed their coordinators from last year. I still think they miss Shane Stack and they miss Jonathan Gannon. They're not quite as sharp in terms of one, just their play calling and, you know, stacking plays together um, in a way that puts defenses in, in binds. And defensively, I think their stunts aren't quite there as often. And I think their blitzes aren't quite as effective, but even so, I mean, it's just been that their talent is so freaking insane that they're able to just overcome all of it. And if at any point these coach these coaches figure it out and they find the the blueprint to, you know, get the scheme right consistently, I mean, the, the NFL is like freaking done for. Honestly, it's it's. It's Yo. so scary, honestly. Like, why is this team in my division? Like, why? No, I mean, it's... But, hey, as a Cowboys fan, for at least for you, you have the opportunity next week yep. to take them down. Uh, and I think there's a good uh, there's a good chance of it happening. Because, <laughs> uh, as you mentioned, it has kind of been a high-wire act for the Eagles this year. Um, but... They're winning these games, and it, it's a different business in the NFL than it is in college football because it's a different system, and all that matters at the end of the day in the NFL is winning. Yep. That period, by one point, by two points, by 10 points, by 20 points, all that matters is that you win, uh, and here the Eagles are sitting at 10-1. and one. Now, we're right at – Pretty much an hour. So we did that pretty efficiently. Um, one of the things that we were going to do is we were going to live stream tonight's game, or at least the second half of tonight's game. We didn't ultimately get to do that. There are some great options this weekend uh, to live stream if we wanted to. If you are, if you've been living under a rock for the past week, uh, we get Oregon and Washington rematch tomorrow night in Las Vegas. That's going to be an absolute show. Uh, then on Saturday, there are a ton of options. Particularly, I look at that Georgia-Alabama game as a potential live stream candidate, although I don't know your work schedule. And then on Sunday, we all know about the uh, 49ers-Eagles matchup. Uh, so... And that's, I mean, there are other good games we could live stream as well, but those are the standout games to me this weekend. Um, and so we'll see what we can maybe work out. Uh, if not, next week has a lot of good options as well, uh, as we'll get Bills, Chiefs, and uh, 49ers or Eagles, Cowboys. Um, so there will be a live stream, I would say, in the next week and a half or so. So keep on the lookout for that. Yeah, and once um, we once we decide on that, we'll we'll get that out on Twitter in terms of what that yes. schedule will be. So go ahead and follow us over there if you haven't already. Um, I believe our ad is 
just raw prospect pod. I'm pretty sure. So tomorrow NBA episode, it's finally going to come. Um, we, I'm guessing we'll be live. We're going to be doing a NBA power rankings as we're now entering as of next week, the knockout round stage of the in season tournament. So we're going to be doing a snapshot of snapshot top 10 power ranking of how each team has been playing up until this point it is playing currently. Then we're going to be taking a group of rookie players about probably six or seven rookie players. We're going to be grading them on their performance based on a set of criteria this year. And then if we have time at the end, we will get into a little bit of the in-season tournament. It's going to be a fantastic episode. It's really going to be our first in-season NBA episode. We have a lot to get to. And then probably after Oregon, Washington, I'm going to do Dithole. Uh, May or may not have a guest. We'll see. But I'm going to be recapping that game, Oregon, Washington. I'm going to give you my prize pick locks for this weekend in the conference championship games. Uh, And then I have some college basketball stuff I want to get to along with some Texas rumors. So it'll be a big night tomorrow on the Raw Prospect Podcast YouTube channel. So make sure you guys are tuned in. Thank you guys for watching tonight. Uh, Another great episode of Power Rankings. Um, We will continue to do this bi-weekly up until the playoffs. Yep. uh, Where where things will change a little bit. Um, But anything else? Any parting shots before we we get out of here? Um, One thing I will say is um, one idea that I threw at you early on in the season was doing a sour rankings, which would be the opposite of our power rankings, which would be ranking the bottom 10 teams and talking about their situations. And I think um, in the next few weeks here, we might be able to get to that as well. So keep an eye out for that. If you're interested, if maybe one of your teams is terrible at football uh, by chance, then maybe that's for you. No, no offense. (laughs) No, I think that may be something we get to eventually here in the next one or two weeks. We will see. Um, but definitely, if you didn't catch it last night, go back and watch Dithole. That was a fire episode yeah, yeah. of Dithole. I, we, so much we, so much so that I went back and watched it <laughs> after we recorded it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like that was probably one of the best episodes we've done it. We've had in months. I feel like our energy was just up a gear almost i don't know i i think uh the new idea we had with gut check i think that's going to be a staple of our podcast moving forward um and if you haven't already that's a like if you don't know what gut check is that's a good you know i guess teaser into what it is and that in that segment at the end of that episode last night so definitely go check that out um i'm going to be posting that um onto Spotify and audio platforms here uh, ASAP after this episode. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, but yeah, um, that's that's going to be it. I'll, uh, unless you got anything else to say, I'll let you sign us off. One more thing. 
Big news in college basketball today. All right. Ronnie yeah. James will play this year, uh, which I'm super excited about. LeBron said earlier, not sure if it was earlier or when he actually said this, but he said he would miss the Lakers game to go watch Bronny's debut um, if he has to. I don't know when he'll actually get on the court and play, but he was cleared by doctors today, which is great news for the scene of college basketball. Uh, Emmy will be joining Ditholt next week for a special edition, early season edition of, of Ditholt. Uh, but we just finished up with the ACC SEC challenge. Um, I'll talk about some of that uh, tomorrow. Uh, but this upcoming week, starting tomorrow, we're going to have the Big Big Twelve Big East challenge, if you will. Uh, Texas plays Marquette next Wednesday, uh, but UConn plays Kansas tomorrow evening. So if you have a chance to tune into ESPN two. While you're flipping back and forth between Oregon, Washington, or whatever else you're watching, uh, that UConn Kansas game in Fog Allen, expect that to be a great game. But with all that being said, thank you guys for watching. And uh, just like um, Frank Reich's time in Carolina, <laughs> unfortunately for Frank Reich, we are going, going. going. I've, I've got Peace. one. Just like the. Check that the fine that was be sent in from the league offices once LeBron misses a game to watch his son. Just like that money, that cash money from LeBron's pocket, we're going, going. God, peace out.